I V M. On this episode of Paisa Paisa, I have a really special guest. We are going to talk with Sanjay Sapre, President of Franklin Templeton, about the 25-year journey of Franklin Templeton Mutual Fund in India. We are going to talk a lot about their history, how they are different, and most importantly, how can mutual funds play a role in your life. So stay tuned for that. Folks, welcome to Paisa Vesa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and this is a really, really special episodes. I have with me one of the oldest, if not the oldest, private sector mutual fund in India. Now, if you guys don't know the history of mutual funds, I'll just tell that to you know, just in two minutes, less than two minutes probably. So, the mutual fund industry in in India was led by the government institutions back in the 60s, 70s, all the way till the 80s. You had UTI, SBI, Canada Bank, Bank of Baroda. All of these banks had their own mutual funds, and of course, what we used to call Big Daddy at one point of time, UTI, was there. And then in 1991, the Indian economy opened, and we had a lot of the private sector mutual funds come in. A lot of the brands that you see today in 2019 actually go back to that day. Among them, I have with me today for this episode. One of the oldest brands out there in the market, Franklin Templeton, and I am completely thrilled to have Sanjay Sapre, the president at Franklin Templeton. Sanjay, welcome to Pesa Pesa. Thank you so much for doing this for us. I'm going to just start with this. You know, uh, okay, fair disclosure. I've actually spent a couple of months at Franklin Templeton, or as it was called, Templeton Asset Management Company, almost 20 years ago as a as a consultant for some work. I know for a fact that there is something really different about working at Templeton. and you spend a lot of time out there let's start with a bit of your own background your own career and then this fascinating history about franklin templeton i remember the ipo okay but i'm going to stop myself out there tell us more about that so anupam thank you so much a pleasure to be here uh, talking to you and it's always nice to meet an old colleague <laughs> thank even you. if uh, you were there for a brief time sure. uh, so i have actually been at franklin 18 years uh, and during that time uh, it's all been in bombay but during that time i've had an opportunity to work across different verticals i spent some time uh, working in the technology side i then looked after operations and customer service for india and then asia pacific for a while and then most recently about 3 years ago i got the opportunity to take on this role leading the business in india and so as you said uh, you know uh, we're blessed to have people stay with us for a long time mm. i can tell you that uh, my being there 18 years certainly doesn't make me the oldest <laughs> employee at franklin templeton in fact uh, we've just completed 25 years in india yes and we have two employees who've completed 25 years with us you going back right till going the day back that you right almost to the day it started phenomenal what a proud achievement that is thank you thank you yeah. so much so just to talk briefly about you know franklin templeton's or as you called it templeton's start in india uh, we started in india in uh, 1995 uh, we launched our first fund as templeton in 1995 and i have to tell you it was a very different mutual fund market than it is today uh, mutual fund sahi hai did not exist and uh, you know uh, we were set a target of raising a grand total of 50 crores uh, in our as it was called in those days the ipo that's for our first crores. fund that's it 50 crores okay. which today seems like a pittance it but is. i can tell you in those days uh, there was a lot of hard work and struggle uh, and we needed a lot of partnership and support from people at that point of time to even raise the first 50 crores so that's how we started um then 
in about 2001-2002, uh, we then acquired uh, Kothari Pioneer, uh, which was based out of Chennai. And Kothari Pioneer actually was the first private sector mutual fund in India. Ah, And yes, they launched yes, their uh, products in uh, 1993. And those are the funds, two funds, that have just completed 25 years now. Did you be Temple uh, India Growth Fund? No, this now is actually the Franklin India Blue Chip Fund oh, yeah. and the Franklin India Prima Fund. FIBC. Uh, yeah, yeah. Temple India Growth Fund, as it was called in those days, will complete 25 years uh, in about another year's time. So Blue Chip and Prima are actually the 25-year-old? Actually the 25-year-old. The oldest schemes? The oldest schemes. On private uh, sector side, obviously. I, that, that is what I, I believe. They are the wow. oldest schemes on the private sector side. Okay. Um, so, and that... Um, that acquisition of Franklin Templeton, uh, uh, of by Franklin Templeton of Kothari Pioneer, I think, was really very accretive, and it gave us access to a large distribution network and a fantastic uh, equities team uh, that to this day actually continues to be based out of Chennai. So That's our equities amazing. team is still there, um, and you know Franklin had great strength in uh, fixed income. We did have also a couple of very good equity products. And we had a very good brand and a natural affinity to work with banks and large distribution partners. Kothari Pioneer had done a fabulous job of penetrating into the IFA segment and had very, very good products on the equity side. So it really was, uh, uh, you know, let me say a marriage made in heaven and really gave us a very, very strong start uh, into the mutual fund industry. And since then, uh, I think... We've been patient, we've been committed to the Indian business, we've been committed to the Indian market, and that has helped us continue to grow from strength to strength and benefit from now what we see is quite rapid growth of the industry. If I'm not mistaken, I think was Blue Chip or Prima, I don't know which one, the first to hit 100 crores in AUM? Uh, it would probably have been uh, Blue Chip, uh, which would have hit uh, 100 crores in AUM. Uh, and, you know, now uh, significantly <laughs> larger, certainly, yeah, than yeah. that. Tell us something about, you know, how has the vision panned out so far? How has been the commitment to the Indian market? Because if you started off in 1995, Kothari in 1993, 93, 95, honestly, those two years in the market weren't that, you know, weren't significantly different. Horrible years, if I remember correctly. 93, all the way till the tech boom of 99, it was just bad. It was, it, they were difficult times, no question about so it. I want to just delve a little bit into that and figure out how you guys survived that period till you reached 2000 because by 2000, my God, Franklin was up there. I mean, you guys were clued in, into the markets. So how, what, what was that journey like? What are the values that you built at that point of time? I'm very sure those values still stand today. Let's go into that. You're absolutely right. And I think, if, let me just start sort of with, um, you know, the philosophy that Franklin Templeton has globally. So we are patient, long-term global investors and have been patient long-term investors in emerging markets for many years. So while we entered India early, uh, 1995, and then with the acquisition 93, we've entered many markets globally early. So we've been in many markets for 20, 25, 30 years. And so that long-term view, that desire to build a long-term sustainable business and to have the patience to see through the tough times and that support from our parent in the US was very important in allowing us to be patient through what are the initial difficult years. Hmm. And I think we've always worked with um, certain core principles and values which we try to uphold even today. And I think one of the important things that we always rely on is kind of the three P's, uh, which is um, people, philosophy and process. 
So process means we have a very, very disciplined, long-term investment process that we don't deviate from, mm-hmm. right? It's easy to be swayed uh, to do different things when markets become tough or when things become volatile. But we've been very good at staying disciplined to that long-term disciplined investment process, which has also meant that our funds have been true to label. And, you know, for listeners, what that means is, if the fund says it is a large cap fund, and therefore will invest in large cap stocks, then over the fund's history, it will always do that, regardless of whether large caps happen to be in or out of favor at that point of time. So we've been true to label, we've had a consistent disciplined investment process. So that's one thing which is very important. Two, Anupam, you touched on it earlier is people. Uh, and I think we've been blessed to have people who've been with us for a long time. Uh, you know, we talk about the acquisition of Kothari Pioneer and people having been with us for 25 years. I've been there 18 years. So I think the longevity of people. Uh, and I think hopefully we've done the right things, which has allowed people to stay with us for a long time. The benefit of having people there for a long time and who have a disciplined investment process has meant that if you take uh, a Prima fund or a blue chip fund, there have been through the course of its journey, multiple people who have managed that fund, right? Uh, some some names that come to mind are Sukumar Raja, who's still with us in Singapore, or uh, K.N. Shiva Subramaniam, who's a, a legend, a legend. in the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then retired uh, from Franklin Templeton, or now yeah. Anand Radhakrishnan. I'm going to just put perspective out here for listeners, right? Because Shiva hasn't been in this market for quite a while. Give me the number, Sanjay. When he left, the kind of performance that he had put in at the Prima Fund if I recall correctly, in those days, was absolutely stellar. It was. Uh, and I think I can tell you that if you look at since inception numbers, which takes into account sort of the performance of the funds from the day they were launched till today, those funds stand very tall. Uh, both of those funds have in the region of 19 to 21% compounded annual growth over wow. that since inception period. So he laid a fabulous foundation and our, our team has been taking that forward now. Sure. Uh, so I think that's the second second P. Third is philosophy. And it's a very simple philosophy that we've attempted to adhere to. The belief is, if you look after the customer, the business will look after itself. So the desire has been to do the right thing. And the belief that if you do the right thing, and if you deliver good value to your customers, then your business and AUM will grow. So this is not to say, of course, that we don't want to grow, mm. or we don't want to be profitable. But the primary philosophy is let's do the right thing. And the belief is when you do the right thing, the business will grow. And I think that's worked for us. And so we've not, that's also allowed us to stay away from, so there's a short term chase for AUM uh, and and stick to our guns even in difficult times. So I think those, those things are very, very important to us and they underlie the business that we've built over 25 years and hopefully we will continue to live by those values as we go forward. I'm sure you will. I, you know, I, I, I also happen to be a unit holder in, Excellent. in, in one of your schemes. And every time I go to your website, where are the schemes? You guys have a very limited number of schemes, right? If I go to any other mutual fund, it's like they've got, I've lost count, honestly. And if I'm not mistaken, the total number of schemes in India for mutual funds, equity plus debt, is a mind-boggling number. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's in the thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's been the philosophy out there? So again, uh, you know, recently, SEBI has come out with the product rationalization, which then limited the number of schemes, which means you could only have a limited number of categories and a limited number of schemes. But our philosophy right from the beginning has been to provide 
true to label and differentiated products hmm. so therefore when product rationalization came around we actually didn't have to merge or close any schemes because we already had a very tightly um uh, you know sort of tightly knit bouquet of products that gave adequate diversification without proliferation uh and not only that i think if you look at longevity um two funds have completed 25 years but almost two thirds of our funds uh have more than a 10 year track record wow so again the philosophy has been launch sustainable products uh launch products that are differentiated and provide something different and unique to the customer uh and then you know manage them well for the long term great so i want to get into the second part of our show right now you because i'm going to just kind of take take a small take away from what you said about products right mutual funds are totally unique okay of course it's 2019 now uh if my numbers are right there are about 2 or 3 crore uh sip accounts putting in an average of about 3 or 4000 rupees per month so there is 8000 crores coming in just from sip 20 years ago that number was literally zero okay literally zero i remember when i had joined it was so it was not even existent walk our listeners through this history of products because you guys have innovated you've had products all the way let's let's just go into that right because my listeners out there for them they know what a mutual fund is today honestly but you've seen this journey pan out over the last 20 years let's just take a wrap up on that uh so uh let's start with sips which uh, is a favorite topic of mine and the reason it's a favorite topic is that franklin templeton actually introduced the concept of sips to india seriously yes which year was this so we have talked about cert- so certain things that today i think are seen as commonplace were things that uh didn't exist in this industry but with our global background we were able to bring those here so we've talked about systematic investing almost since the time we entered the country wow uh the concept of investor education you know i'll uh, tell you a small anecdote uh when we just completed our 25 years i went through some archival footage uh with our marketing team and i said can you pull out some ads or some material that we produced way back when i can tell you the messaging is relevant even today wow i can tell you the messaging is relevant even today we, even then we were talking about discipline long term volatility so on and so forth things those we still talk about today. They, and those values can't change they can't change yeah. and so i think over this period what we've done well is i think we've innovated pretty well uh so the first fund of funds uh, was re- was done by franklin templeton the whole uh, accrual space which today has become quite big was introduced by us the first dynamic asset allocation fund was introduced by franklin templeton wow. uh the first overseas feeder fund was introduced by franklin templeton besides the concept of advisor education sips and be in fact you know sebi regulations came in 1996 hmm. uh so in that sense our products even predate that and even some of the things like daily navs and uh, monthly portfolio disclosures mm-hmm. uh we had introduced or actually kothari pioneer had introduced uh even before they became commonplace so i think what we were able to do uh and i think this is stood us in good stead is learn from what was available globally learn from best practices globally and then introduce the right and relevant ones in india and and build the business in that way distribution okay now here's the thing Mm-hmm. you're a foreign company yes this is a massively indian base of customers okay and the you don't sell directly to customers at least you know you might be doing it now through the direct route 
But you know that distributors are the most important part of selling a mutual fund. How has this evolved over the last, you know, since you came in? Because now Franklin is a very, very, very familiar brand. How has this distribution journey evolved? And I want to, you know, the point that I make this from is from the listener's perspective. Because for a listener, the distributor and the advisor, in whatever form, you know, there is this thing of, you know, mutual fund distributor and IFA and RI, whatever it is. I'm not going to go into that. Okay. I'm just going to go into this guy who's between you and me. I'm the investor, you're the mutual fund, there is a distributor or an advisor. What's been the journey so far? What's your take on how things stand today? Okay. So I think the uh, distributor plays actually a very important role. You know, you you said it right. They stand between the mutual fund and the uh, investor. And the investor. Yeah, me. And what we've seen in terms of the development of the journey is when we started, mutual funds were very clearly a push product. They were not known. They were not understood. Uh, Indians traditionally invested in fixed return kind of products. I can tell you, I came back to India in 1995-96. You may remember uh, the interest rate that you got on fixed deposits at oh, that point of time. Of course I do. And people will not believe that there used to be ads, double your money in five, five years, years. Double your money exactly. In oh God, of so course. So in that environment, selling mutual funds was very different than selling it today. right? So mutual funds were a push product and therefore advisors, distributors, IFAs, whatever name you give them, played a very important role in terms of educating investors and bringing them into the fold, right? Uh, and I think they continue to play that role today because even today when the awareness of mutual funds has gone up manifold, you yourself said 2 crore, that's a very small number for a country like India. Uh, just to give you a number, 2 crore, approximately 2 crore unique investors in the industry. Last year, six and a half crores or more tax returns were filed. Wow. Right? And if you look at the number of people holding PAN cards, that number is closer to 30 crores, yeah. if I recall. Yeah. So we've barely scratched the surface. And so the need to take the message about mutual funds down to individual investors, to educate individual investors about what is a mutual fund, and to help them build and construct the appropriate mix of products in that uh, that suits their unique circumstances, that need has not gone anywhere. In fact, it is only increasing. And that's the role that an advisor plays. And I would say the even more important role that advisors play or distributors play or IFAs, whatever term you want to use, play, is actually guiding investors uh, not to get panicked, not to get swayed by market news, not to get swayed by market volatility. And I think that need is only increasing because... We are becoming more affluent as a society. We are becoming more aspirational as a society. Increasing income is bound to bring increasing aspiration. And mutual funds are a great way to be able to meet some of those aspirations. And and therefore, I think the intermediary advisor distributors continues to have a critical role to play in bringing these mutual funds to uh, and making them accessible, understandable and familiar to the investor. And there's a long way to go for that. There is a lot. Just two, three crores of SIP, then you've got these massive numbers of, you know. Correct. uh, Even, I'm not even talking Aadhaar, you're talking just of tax returns. I only talk tax returns. (laughs) Folks, we're going to take a small break there, okay? We spoke about Franklin Temple's journey so far, how they're different, uh, the role of distribution and a lot of stuff. On the other side of this break, takeaways for you. If Franklin has, you know, been there for 25 years, there's a lot of learning that we have from them on how you can figure out the next 25 years for your own journey. So don't go anywhere. 
And we are back with the Franklin Templeton special. My guest Sanjay Sapre, president at Franklin Templeton. Sanjay, in the first part we spoke about your journey. We spoke about how Franklin is different uh, from other mutual funds. I want to get into this meat of how a mutual fund is placed within my portfolio. Okay, because now you cannot ignore a mutual fund. Okay, it's like it's almost like going to my Kirana store and buying bread, butter, and this. You know, my daily consumables. the familiarity with mutual funds is now at that level and yet like you said there is still this massive gap okay so if i were to put it in this way what would be your advice or how would you talk to someone who has heard about mutual fund but still hasn't invested in them what should be his approach you know as just getting to know more we'll come to asset allocation after this but just an initial laying the ground kind of thing so the concept of mutual funds is very simple right you can access a diversified set of underlying investments with a relatively small amount of money and i say relatively small because really you can start a mutual fund investment with as little as 100 rupees per month you should be 500 yeah there are some fund houses that offer 100 but let's wow. even take 500 okay you know i would say there is a large number of people in this country for sure who could afford to put away 500 rupees per month so i think the myth that you need to have a lot of money to invest in mutual funds is is certainly wrong and so the the big advantage mutual funds give you is professional management diversification access at a low cost so on and so forth but i think very simply if you want to meet your goals and aspirations you need to take a level of appropriate risk because if you only invest in fixed return products bank fts etc then the amount of money you're going to get is limited mutual funds give you the opportunity uh, to take risk in the market in a managed way and therefore give you the opportunity to make more money and meet your goals so you can't ignore mutual funds they need to be a part of they need to be a part of your asset allocation The most important thing I would say is start investing. Hmm. Because this fear that I don't know what it is, I need a lot of money, I can't invest in mutual funds because they're too risky, I can't get my money back when I need it. These are all fears and there is enough investor education content out there for people to look at to help them understand none of this is actually true. You have mutual fund products that will allow you to put money away for one day. and get it back and will allow you to put money away for your retirement and take it when you are 60 65 70 years old so there is a variety of products what you need is someone who can help you navigate and understand that complexity or variety of products and then pick the right mix of products that will help you meet your goal so one start it's very important that you make a beginning two it's very important that you have a clear goal in mind why you are investing and then be disciplined and stick to that goal of your investing right everybody wants to buy a house mm. everybody needs to put money away for retirement many more of us now are aspirational about giving our children a more expensive education whether it is in private universities here or overseas legit demand yeah yeah so have your goals and start putting money away towards each goal and the earlier you start the more the power of compounding will help you which means the more the money that you've invested will earn for you right 
now i want to get into the hairy side like i call okay if you see okay. kvc there's this pehla padhao dusra padhao yes i've signed up okay, okay. i whatever my distributor told me advisor told me is all fine but you know and you guys have been in this for 25 years and you've seen how cycles work i want to f- divide this into equity and debt okay. okay just talk to us about what equity is about right because we are in 2019 mid small caps have this gut wrenching i have an sip which is exactly at capital thank god <laughs> but how do i deal with this in the equity part we'll get to that after this but tell us about the role of equity in long term planning and how does one manage these ups and downs okay so equities have and there is enough research around this equities have shown the greatest potential to provide long term returns to investor better than any other asset class so you know people may believe that or oh, real estate gives a lot more return or gold gives a lot more return that's actually not true over long periods of time equities have given the best returns but they come with this problem called volatility and in simple terms volatility means equities are not guaranteed they go up and they go down and they go up and down for a variety of reasons not all of which may be evident to the retail investor right it's not necessarily evident to all of us are retail investors it's not necessarily evident to us why the price of a stock went up or why the price of a stock went down uh, on a given day given month given year but over long periods of time equities have provided the best long term returns so the old adage is very true there is no free lunch in order to get a higher return one has to take a higher level of risk you cannot get a return without any level of risk So now I'm an investor. Uh, I'm worried about this volatility. I'm fearful of losing money. Right? That's my biggest fear. Saying I don't want to lose money. Why should I invest in equities? Let me tell you that what helps with equities is two or three things. One is the longer your investment horizon, the less the chances that you lose money. So if I just take a category of funds called let's say multi cap funds which means they invest across all the companies in the stock exchange regardless of whether it's a small cap or a mid cap or a large cap if you looked at the average category in a one year period you can certainly have negative returns and they can be quite widely negative but if you look take that same category over three year periods the possibility that you'll have a negative return comes down and if i look at the past 25 years and look at seven year or longer periods these multi cap funds have not delivered negative returns to investors so you've never lost your capital you've never lost your capital you've never lost money you've never lost money if you have stayed invested for at least seven years so the first thing people have to know about equities is they are long term so please don't invest in equities if you need the money in one year Three years. Look at equities at five years and above. Two, you have to be disciplined. Um, you have to stay invested for the long term. Volatility is part and parcel of investing. So the market will go up and the market will go down. Therefore, the value of your investment will go up and will go down. But remember, history has told us that in no seven-year rolling period in the past twenty-five years. has an investor actually lost money three people always believe that it is possible to invest when the market is at its bottom 
<laughs> and to exit yeah. when the market is at its peak. I wish it was so easy. And I think you've just said it. It is absolutely not true, right? If that was possible, everyone would be multi-billionaires. Yeah. So therefore, what do you do? You invest systematically. You invest through an SIP or an STP, and that helps you in two ways. One is it's a discipline of investing every month. So. Regardless of what the market is doing, your money is going to be put to work because it's going to be taken out of your bank account and put to work in the fund that you've selected. Two, obviously, you are benefiting from volatility. So, when the market's going up, you're buying less units. When the market's going down, you're buying more units. That helps to average your cost down. Those two very simple things will significantly improve people's outcomes from equity. Sure, because there is a you know, I have a firm belief that says, and there is some research around this, that the investor's return does not generally equal the investment return. So yeah, a yeah. fund may do very well, yeah. but investors often don't benefit from that very well return because of this fear or greed or this attempt to time the market. Very few of us, and certainly not even myself, are that sophisticated investors that we can perfectly mm -hmm. time the market and you know beat that fund's return so start early very important have a long-term horizon if you're going to go into equities and do it systematically now this thing about debt funds okay which um what i don't i i don't think from a retail perspective they were even there five ten years ago it was mostly an institutional kind of thing but Correct. Last five, 10 years, I would have at least a few distributors come up and tell me, why have you put so much money in NFT? You know, there is this product, it's called a liquid fund or it's called an ultra short term or whatever it is. Try that. I've had people say that, Acha, why have you put in a liquid fund? Why don't you put in a credit risk fund? Extra 1%, thoda jada risk. And then I've got people who believe that, uh, you know, if you really want to play the whole story, then you need to put in a 10-year fund. You'll have a little bit more volatility. Things will go up, things will go down. And for some reason, debt has just come up and then this last one year has been really rough. ILFS, whatever it is, NBFCs, liquidity and all has actually confronted us with a scenario that there is a possibility that a debt funds NAV on a day-to-day -day basis can actually fall. Correct. Which was not part of the program. <laughs> Honestly, FDs don't fall in value. Correct. I want just two questions out here, Sanjay. Sure. First is the role of a debt fund in my portfolio. Okay. And the second is how to deal with this current scenario. Because, you know, I'm sure that for debt funds also, you would say that stay invested for the longer term. But how do I deal with the uncertainty? And of course, the first question, what role does debt have in my portfolio? Okay. So, this concept of asset allocation is very important, which means you cannot put all your eggs in one basket, right? Uh, it's very unlikely that all of the money that you have with you is going to be money that you can lock away for five years or seven years or nine years or 10 years, right? So you will have money that you're going to need in three months. You will have some money that you want to put away just for a rainy day to say, I don't know when I'll need this, but I want access to it when I need it. You'll have money that you have for two years, three years, five years, whatever. So first of all, um, debt funds allow you to put money away for those varying needs and deferring periods. The second thing is, you also don't want 100% of your money exposed to the vagaries of the stock market because we know that can be volatile. So let me give you a very simple example. I've started, for an investor has started an SIP in order to educate their child abroad 
when the child becomes 18 and maybe they're a they're a evolved investor so they started when the child was born sure i've come my son or daughter has reached 18 now i will need to withdraw this money correct does it make sense to leave that money in an equity fund where it can go up and down with the market or does it make sense to take that money out of the equity market and mm-hmm. put it into a product that is more suited for example it within the debt category sure right so debt funds help to play a different role so they give you diversification they protect you from to some extent from the volatility of the stock market and therefore you need a an asset allocation sure okay. now what that asset allocation is depends on your unique circumstance there is no right answer is, to say there's no standard template there's no standard template. every listener yeah no but just very simply if i were in retirement i probably would want to look at more debt and less equity okay. if i am starting off as a young saver and investor i'm probably going to look at a lot more equity than debt you know simple rough cut it. rules which our listeners i'm sure can you know probably reach out to their distributors, distributors or ad- advisors yeah right um so that's that's the role debt funds play now this comment you made about debt funds and fts i think we have to understand debt funds are not fixed deposits right fixed deposits pay you a fixed return debt funds take a different kind of risk than equity but they are still exposed to the vagaries of a market and there are broadly two kinds of debt funds one is debt funds that invest in government or semi government or quasi government paper uh, and therefore there the possibility that the government will not pay you back is pretty low but you have risk because interest rates can move up and down yeah. and that can cause a change in the value of these funds the other funds are the ones that invest in corporate papers and there the risk is that the company that you have invested in in debt much like a company stock price can boom up or down because the company does better or worse their debt can also be impacted because they could be going through better or worse times mm. so to assume that any debt fund any debt fund is equal to an fd and has zero risk i think is wrong what debt funds do have is the potential to give better returns and more tax efficient returns and what you do have in debt funds is a spectrum of products which can suit your needs so if you want to put away money for the very short term you can look at a, for example an overnight fund which only invests in one day money right so very low risk money is available to you when you need it sure but commensurately it's going to have a lower return yeah maybe better than leaving your money in a savings account in a bank but certainly not like what you would get in an equity fund mm. and you can move up the category you've got liquid ultra short so on and so forth and these funds will all have some level of risk in them because they are either exposed to interest rate movements or they are exposed to company movements yeah. right so it's important to understand that there is that risk in debt funds ideally you want to choose the debt fund that meets your investing horizon and there are debt funds like for example you referenced credit risk funds which actually their goal is to maximize return for you by actively taking calls on corporate credits so i would say you would certainly not look at that fund if you were going if you wanted to put money away for um 
you know, six months or a year and you wanted a certainty to say, listen, when I want the money, I want it back and I want to minimize any possibility that I lose money. But despite what you said about the debt market and despite uh, the fact that credit risk funds are seen as very risky, uh, may I tell our listen, your listeners that credit risk funds have not delivered negative returns if people have stayed invested as a category, if mm. people have stayed invested for longer periods, three years or more. Mm. In general, credit risk funds have not delivered negative returns in those kind of periods. So it's important for investors to understand the risk in the product. So what is the source of that risk? And invest in the fund that meets their specific need. But to say that I'll have a portfolio which is 100% equity is probably not the right asset allocation for, or it, or it might be only the right asset allocation for a very small number of investors. Right. Um, we've spoken so much about products and concepts and ways of investing. I want to end this show on where our listeners can learn more. I know that Franklin has got one of the best websites out there. We've got a wide presence in, in social media. If our listeners want to find out more about your fund, the various products out there as a manufacturer, can you just tell us where they can learn more? So hopefully um, they can find us everywhere that they would like to find us. So we are available on uh, Facebook. So we have a Facebook page. We have a YouTube channel uh, with some very good investor education content. Uh, we are available on Twitter. And then, of course, our website, www.franklintempletonindia.com which has investor education content, um, the ability for you to learn a little bit about how to set up goals and invest for your goals. And then, of course, information about our company and our funds. Great. Folks, that is a wrap on this episode, the Franklin Templeton special on Pesa Vesa. My guest was Sanjay Sapre, president at Franklin Templeton. Sanjay, thank you so much. It's been such fun having you out here. Uh, we hope you can come again. And thanks a lot for doing this for our listeners. Thank Anupam, you. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. No material on the show should be considered as financial advice. The material on the show is for informational purposes only. Please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision.